1: Everybody, welcome to Stacking the Box College Football Edition. This is not just any old Stacking the Box College Football Edition, this is championship level Stacking the Box College Football Edition. It is championship week. We have 10 conference championship games upon us. We have a college football playoff picture that is like slightly more clear than it was last week, but still not all the way there. We got a few more things to determine before we figure out our final four for the college football playoff and to do all that i'm joined today by the great cody williams cody how's it going man
2: it's going good uh i just right before we went live uh i just saw a news item that nebraska wide receiver ty Han is leaving the program so he can go farm and uh that's kind of the vibes i'm bringing into conference championship weekend after this week i'm just going to go farm
1: Another Nebraska loss to Iowa in heartbreaking fashion actually sent the receiver into the into the portal to go farming. So uh, that is how it goes. Obviously, Nebraska loses to Iowa in another heartbreaking Nebraska Cornhusker way. But a lot to get to today. Uh, we're going to go through a handful of college football or conference championship games. But I do want to start with the college football playoff before we get to any of the information and any of the news and any of the picks. Let's start with our good friends over at Sleeper. Sleeper is partnering with us to give new users a first deposit match up to $100. Make sure to use the code FANSIDED2. That's the number two. So FANSIDED2. When signing up to receive your deposit match, again, up to $100. Please remember to always game responsibly. If you're watching on YouTube, you can scan the QR code in the top left corner. Or you can check the podcast description below for more to see if you qualify. Cody. Mm. Had a lot go down last week, and of course, we had Michigan outlast Ohio State in the game, make a three straight over the Buckeyes, all but effectively lock themselves into the college football playoff, unless there's a monumental upset against Iowa this weekend. We had Oregon take care of business. We had Texas take care of business. We had Alabama take the scenic route, but they took care of business. (laughs) Washington was in the same boat as them. They made it uh, a little bit more difficult than it had to be, but they win and advance. So it sets up a college football playoff scenario where we still have, what was it eight teams that I think could conceivably still get in Maybe yeah. seven. Cause I, I guess we could still say Ohio state has a shot. I don't see it really happening, but we'll say eight teams have a shot to get in. We got Georgia, Michigan, Washington, Oregon, Florida state, Texas, Alabama, and then I guess Ohio State will be the eighth. So, Cody, before we get into any of the games, where do you stand right now? Obviously, we had the rankings come out, but I think we could just go ahead to what is this going to be next week? Where do you stand right now with the college football playoff picture?
2: It's really tough to know where to stand because it's the irony is it's the last year of the four team playoff, and it's the most drama we've ever had for these four teams, which is why, like, kind of, it's that drama is going to be going away a little bit if this is a 12 team playoff. Like, we wouldn't have questions about these. It'd be like, oh, do we, you know, or Oklahoma and LSU going to get in would be the question we were talking about, not, well, can Texas, Alabama, Oregon, Ohio State, somehow sneak into the top four, even though they're not in there. And so I think when I come down to it, I think the college football playoff, I my biggest question is if Georgia can lose to Alabama and still get in at number one, because we've never seen – this is kind of an unprecedented situation because we've never had this many contenders but we've also seen the, ne- the never seen the number 1 team in the Penn Ultimate rankings not make the playoff field no matter what happens at conference championship weekend.
1: I think this year's a little unique and I mm-hmm. honestly think that if Georgia loses but let's say it this way if chalk holds elsewhere that means mm-hmm. Oregon wins, Florida State wins, Michigan wins and Texas wins. Yeah, and then Alabama wins, right? I think Georgia's out. I I don't. I know it sucks, and I know it's going to be really tough to say. Like, sorry, you guys are the two-time defending national champions, and you guys have dominated all year. There's no real case to put Georgia in over those other teams. You know, the aforementioned teams. I just mentioned that it would in this scenario win. I imagine this is the scenario you're talking about. But yeah, to me, there's no real case other than Georgia's the two-time champion, but the what the committee's job is supposed to do is only look at this year i understand like where it's human nature and also to me georgia is rightfully number one right now they look like the best team and they kind of get the the benefit of doubt by being the two-time national champ but when there's a loss on the ledger it's kind of tough to justify because it's not like there's kind of garbage elsewhere it's not Mm -hmm. like there's like a two loss big 12 champion trying to like Be like, oh, well, like we actually have a case now because Georgia lost. Like, no, then Georgia could kind of back their way in. To me, I think it's setting up for Georgia, or yes, in this case, Georgia, if they were to lose to get bounced from the playoff altogether, which would be crazy. But I think that is, uh, I think that's fully on the table. Obviously, it starts with Alabama pulling up a six and a half point upset against Georgia. Uh, My. My, my takeaway from the rankings and where we stand right now, I don't know if a team will get screwed, but mm-hmm. I think if we were like to rank teams most likely to get screwed, <laughs> I think Texas is yeah. like far and away the team that – like if we – Sunday afternoon they release the rankings and teams like get like a comment, I think Texas is the most likely to be like we just got absolutely hosed by the committee. Oh, 100%. The more I look at it and the more I think about it, and I, I guess maybe I test takes over here. I don't know why Oregon is ranked ahead of Texas. I, no. I'm not. And that's not even a knock on Oregon. That's more of a. Texas deserves a little bit more credit for going to Tuscaloosa and beating Alabama, which to date is probably the most impressive win any team could say they have of any of the college football playoff contenders, besides maybe Michigan against Ohio State.
2: Right. Which, but that was in Ann Arbor too. Exactly. I I just, it was on the road in week two, may I add. So by double digits too, like it wasn't like the final score was not close. Like they, there's no doubt who won that football game. Like it wasn't a coin flippy game. Like Texas went out and got it.
1: And by the way, the rankings went, let's say Oregon beats. Well, it it seemed if Washington beats Oregon, then Washington is clearly in and if Oregon beats Washington, how is Texas getting over Oregon now? Because they're going to play Oklahoma State and they're expected to win, but Oklahoma State is – I'm going to be honest. I don't even know where they're ranked, but they're not ranked top four like Washington is. So um, I don't really know where – how Texas gets in over Oregon. And then there's the other scenario. If Alabama does beat Georgia Mm – Does the committee say we need to take an SEC team and Alabama now has the best win of anyone and says, screw your win in Tuscaloosa a few months back and we're going to take Alabama over Texas? To me, that would be a little ridiculous because how do you overlook the head-to-head?
2: Right, the games have to matter. The games have to matter.
1: I I agree. I I think Texas, this is setting up for uh,
2: a really, really angry Longhorn Faithful. So that's one of the questions I was actually going to ask you with the scenario you put you, you were we were playing out just a little bit there where all of the favorites win. So or all the favorites win except for Georgia, Alabama beats Georgia, but mm-hmm. Michigan beats Iowa, mm-hmm. Oregon beats Washington, Texas beats Oklahoma State, Florida State beats Louisville. How realistic do you think it would be for Texas like how realistic do you think it would be for the committee to basically screw over Texas like we're talking about here? Or the other alternative is leave the SEC out completely of the college football playoff.
1: I think – because we spoke about this last week, I believe, where would the committee leave out Florida State? And I said no. I thought it would be ridiculous. I think the word I used was ludicrous to leave out Florida State. And I think everyone's starting to come around on the idea that, listen, if Florida State wins this week against Louisville, they're in. Yeah. It's easier to leave out Texas, though, who at least has a loss where I – yeah. This is a little I personally think if it comes down to it, you have to take Texas over Alabama because I believe in the head to head on right. the it wasn't even neutral site on the road. It's not like we have like a, a glaring injury or something like that. Like they still won heads up. And um I think though it's much more likely that the committee would take an SEC a one loss SEC team over Texas than it would have been when we were talking about it two weeks ago with Florida State. At least to me, that one checks out a little bit more it, it, it could pass cleaner not that it would pass mm-hmm. clean for me but it, you could get that one through a little bit so i i think i think basically this exercise has shown there are a lot of really interesting permutations with these conference championship games more so than ever before and it's mm-hmm. setting up for a really really exciting championship weekend
2: a hundred percent and i mean you said that it's very hard to see Ohio State getting in, but there is a world where it happens. It's kind of a weird scenario, but I like after the rankings came out last night, I wrote about it for fansided.com. And so if Georgia beats Alabama and Michigan beats Iowa, which I think we pretty much expect to happen in that kind of way, just based on how we view those two teams and view also view Iowa in, specifically in the Big Ten Championship game, and then the Pac-12 champion, whoever that is, Washington or Oregon, they would get in. And so you have three spots right there. But if Florida State lost to Louisville, Louisville's not getting into that field. And and I think Ohio State would jump ahead of Florida State because I think the committee is looking for an excuse to get Florida State out of there. Yeah. Texas loses to Oklahoma State. That's two losses. They're done. Alabama would have lost to Georgia. They're done. Does Ohio State get in? Or does the loser of Washington, Oregon get in in that scenario? Or is that like the one path that Ohio State would have? I guess that's
1: the one path that Ohio State would have. And just – for the sake of being fast, can you repeat the the teams that win to open up that avenue for Ohio State? I just want to, I I just want to try something
2: out. But one hundred percent, yeah. Humoring me, yeah. Georgia beats Alabama. Okay. Mi- Michigan beats Iowa. Okay. Pac twelve championship. It doesn't matter whoever wins. I actually, I would say to make it more interesting, we'll say Oregon favorite wins. Oregon, 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 okay. Oregon wins that game. And then Oklahoma State beats Texas. Okay. And, and then Louisville, Louisville beats Florida. Louisville State. beats Florida State. Yes. Correct. You're parlaying that, aren't you?
1: I'm just trying to see what it is. I don't it, it checks out a 25 to one. So there's your for that very fine line that you need a thread, which includes Oklahoma State beating Texas over a two touchdown underdog. Yeah. Twenty-five to one. So um i i gotta do the math really fast on implied probability but like it just shows that the there's a very very small margin for ohio state to get in honestly even then i still wonder if they take one loss washington no they'd probably take ohio state what am i talking about they'd probably take ohio state they probably Um, would i think washington would be the more deserving candidate honestly i agree i think washington's resume would probably check out a little bit nicer than ohio state's but that being said i think they take ohio state
2: However, if Washington beat Oregon, that would make Oregon a two-loss team, and that would actually open up more avenues for Ohio State to get in. But, I mean, that makes it less likely because Washington's a huge underdog in this game. It's double digits. So, like, it's one of those things where, like you're saying, the margins for Ohio State to get in are very narrow. But, I mean, it's not like – there are some times where people are trying to make a case, and there's just not a case to be made. There is a world where this happens. There is
1: a world – I just think that there's – Again, we just laid out a twenty-five to one scenario, so it is yeah. on the table. This also, again, it it doesn't feel like that's gonna. I, I'm not even just saying that because of the odds, but like it doesn't feel like this Ohio State has like the juice behind it. Like last year, even with Alabama, when they mm-hmm. didn't make the SEC championship game, like there was still a little bit of juice behind that. Like I don't know if like we're going Ryan Day going on like college game day on saturday saying like if you like if you if you played this one in vegas like we'd be favored by two touchdowns over t like i don't think that like i don't think that spiel is all going down this weekend i think it's over for ohio state it's it's done
2: uh, I think realistically you're 100% correct because, I mean, like you go to Ryan Day making a pitch, like he knows Kyle McCord is his quarterback, exactly. whereas Alabama, like you're looking at Bryce Young and Will Anderson, two of the most dominant players in college football, like there was a case to be made. where like Ohio State, for all of its good parts and good aspects, like they are not – they are a lesser version of what we've seen from Ohio State teams specifically last year where, you know, they lost to Michigan and still made it into the college football playoff. They are a lesser version than they were a year ago.
1: there's too many other teams in the way for uh the shine to be on ohio state where Mm -hmm. not first of all this means nothing but in terms of like the lead up to that final four being announced there won't be enough like juice behind ohio state like well like maybe as the day progresses because obviously like in the scenario oklahoma state uh, texas they play at noon oklahoma state pulls it upset then all of a sudden everyone's gonna start running to their computer saying okay well now we have A, B, and C on the line here as like the day progresses. So maybe that's how this all opens up, but we'll see. I personally do not think that Texas is necessarily going to lose, nor (laughs) do I think Ohio State really stands a chance. So uh, it it is interesting. I I wouldn't say they're all the way out, but with so much to be gained by other teams, Uh I I don't see it happening, especially just like one change there. If Alabama beats Georgia, they're taking Georgia over Ohio State 100%.
2: There's I, that one. absolutely yet. absolutely yeah. agree with that like that's why I think like at bare minimum Michigan and Georgia have to win for Ohio State to even have a remote shot which is
1: like funny right like you think you need like more you would want more chaos and more upsets but actually you need like the perfect amount of chaos like just like oh, yeah. a couple teaspoons of chaos in uh, your Saturday afternoon to really get into the playoff.
2: Right. My wife's a chemist and she'll tell me all the time about like, you know, the the margins that they have to work with for something being like catastrophically bad or something being what they need to work. And like this is like they need this right amount in the dropper to work. Otherwise, it's yeah. going to blow up on them.
1: Like if Louisville had, would have beat in Kentucky last week, they would have needed like the catastrophic type of uh, chemical yeah. ca- <laughs> balance to get into the playoff. This one we don't need too much, just a little bit. All right. Great stuff on the playoff, though. Uh, really pumped to see how this all shakes out. But let's try and predict some of these games now instead of just kind of throwing scenarios out there. Let's talk about the games. Let's break it down. Another two and three week for me. Uh, I think that's like three in a row, kind of hitting a standstill here while Cody keeps chipping away at my lead. Cody, now one game back of me as we head into championship weekend. We're going to have to figure out a bowl season type show, what we're going to do for that one. But one week left, and you're only one game back of me, Cody. So, uh, kudos to you for uh, gaining some ground here down the home stretch.
2: Yeah, Let's I think start. it's like six or seven weeks that I've won three games. No matter how many games we, how many picks we give out, it's three. So we're just chipping away, we're pushing the money around, chipping, ar- chipping away at it, chipping away. So we have two championship games on Friday. We have a hand.
1: We have the other eight on Saturday, starting at noon, running through eight PM Eastern. We're gonna go through a handful right now. Of course, we're gonna finish with our upset pick and sickos pick as always. Again, you like any of these uh, picks, make sure to ride with them at Sleeper. You could use the promo code FANSIDED2. That's the number two, so FANSIDED number two. uh, And you get a $100 deposit match when you sign up. Check the podcast description to see if you qualify. Let's start, though, Friday night, Pac-12 Championship, the rematch from the mid-October showdown between Oregon and Washington. We kind of laid out in the beginning. For all intents and purposes, this is for a college football playoff berth. Mm-hmm. Washington obviously definitely winning in Oregon Washington Oregon side we are pretty confident if they win they are in uh, I think oddsmakers are pretty confident that's going to happen they now have Oregon out to a nine and a half point favorite which I think I'm not alone in this one as sports betting becomes more prevalent and uh, people start to tune into college football more as the season winds down I think I have like seven texts from different people saying, can you believe that Oregon is a nine and a half point favorite against Washington? Like, how is that (laughs) happening? Washington's number three. Like there's no way this is not about rankings. This is about how teams stack up against one another. So Cody, how do you see this one? Oregon, Washington, like I said, nine and a half point spread.
2: Yeah. I, I think that's just a few too many points for me, man. I'm on Washington plus nine and a half on this one. And I know your love for Oregon, so even before I saw your pick, I thought you might disagree with this one. But when you look at this season for Oregon, it seems like people are looking at that Washington game as an outlier on the road. But I don't think it was necessarily as big of an outlier as a a nine-and-a-half-point spread on a neutral site would suggest. When you look into the numbers, specifically the PFF grades for that game – That's I I would venture to say that Washington is the best front four that Oregon has seen all season. And it's also Bo Nix's worst game under pressure this entire season and the worst pass blocking grade that Oregon has posted all season as well. So I think this Washington defense for all of its faults is actually set up to press Bo Nix and press Oregon in a way that their offense just simply hasn't been like you were talking. You spoke earlier about Oregon's resume, not necessarily stacking up to Texas. That's because they haven't played a really high level of of competition this season. Like they have one ranked win and it came last week against Oregon state, who is now the 20th ranked team in the country. Yes. When they beat Utah, Utah was ranked, but we've seen Utah like really pull back since without having cam rising this entire season. And then on the flip side of that, I understand that this Washington offense has been lesser than Penix hasn't looked right for about a month and it's just kind of not been cooking in the way that it was early in the season. But I think Kalen DeBoer is a smart enough offensive mind. I think this offensive line is quality enough. And I think that the more specifically, I think this wide receiver group is special enough to take advantage of an Oregon secondary that has been taken advantage of at certain points of the season. Yes, they have a really high coverage grade overall, but they did not cover well in the first meeting with Washington. Again, that was in Husky Stadium. I actually think Oregon does win this game, but I think 9.5 is just too big of a number for me to take on Oregon.
1: Yeah, you kind of gave it away. I like Oregon in this game. I wouldn't say this is like my most confident, strongest conviction play of the weekend Mm -hmm. I just think you look at where these two teams were when they played. Washington wins that game 100%. I'm not even going to say like a lot of – we talked about it then. Like a lot of things bounced Washington's way. But listen, that's football, right? Like that's what happens. I'm not going to say like Washington didn't deserve to win. But when you dive in a little bit deeper into that game, let's just go back and look. Oregon outgained Washington 541 to 415. Oregon – 0-3 0 for 3 on fourth downs, including one at the goal line before the end of regular, uh, before the end of ha- the first half. That would have been even take three points, yeah. score a touchdown. And Washington went two for three on fourth down. So I'm not going to say Washington deserved that win, but I think Oregon outplayed them. And I think a lot of teams, a lot of people left that game saying, okay, Oregon's better, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Red was three in that game, so you could already, you know, maybe – that husky stadium gets a little bit more of a home field bounce so maybe like you could say oregon's like half point maybe a point better than washington on a neutral field obviously this is a little bit different uh you know this nine half but since then (laughs) oregon has won their six games by an average margin of 26 i know their Uh schedule has been a little bit softer than washington but washington has won all game all six of those games by single digits all but one against usc where they won by 10 with a late touchdown I know the schedule might have been a little bit more difficult, but, like, listen, one team is really, you know, building up ahead of steam here while the other is skating by. And you mentioned Michael Penix hasn't looked right. You have Dylan Johnson, who was in a walking boot last week and played banged up last week. Is that going to get any better? I'm just a little concerned that Washington, all credit to them, great season. I'm not going to say, like, they actually suck or anything. I just think that this team – might be out of gas here where Oregon is kind of revving it up and they're starting to, you know, peak or they're in the middle of their peak Where Washington kind of just finding ways to win. But what happens if Penix, because Penix looked bad last week, like
2: flat out Absolutely. He poor. He was outplayed by Cam Ward. Cam Ward was the better quarterback in that game. How about last drive
1: that at, first of all, I got to talk about last week really quick before I get back to the Oregon side last week, that four. So, for those that didn't watch, you should go back and watch. But yes. if you didn't watch, fourth and one at their own 30-something. Game oh. on the line here, because if Washington State gets the stop, they get the ball in Washington territory. Washington has, like, one timeout. So the game is effectively over. There's two minutes left. Fourth down, they line up, call a timeout. Go back up there. They run a fake handoff. jet sweep, pitch it to Romo Dunze, who runs it up the field 30 yards, puts Washington in field goal range. After that, though... And I get Washington was a little nervous about the field goal kick and everything, and maybe tried to like get really, really close or tried to score. Penix tried to throw two, interceptions, tried to throw oh, at least yeah. two of them and took a sack. I don't know if Penix is all the way healthy. He hasn't looked right in a really long time. I think they have playmakers on the outside, and I think we will know pretty early on if Washington is here and is gonna compete with this team, or if Oregon's gonna kind of push them over. Washington, bottom five in the country in terms of defensive line yards. So I think if Oregon could build up an early lead and really start to lean on the Bucky Irving ground game, I don't know if this is like a, like, oh, Washington's down two scores, but they're going to get hot in the second half and hit a few big plays. Like, this feels like we'll know early if Oregon's going to blow them out or if Washington is like here for this game and they have one more push in them before the end of the season. What do you think about that? Because we could disagree on the spread, but do you agree with, like, how I envision this game potentially playing out?
2: 100%. I think we'll know by halftime who's winning, like, between this head-to-head between us two since we're on opposite sides. Like, I think we'll know by halftime where the game starts going. Having said that, the one thing that really makes me think this is too many points is we've seen Oregon kind of – put it in cruise control. And I understand that this is the Pac-12 championship game. And they're like, if it's for a college football playoff berth, they have a long rest. So they may not do that. But like, you look at like the USC game, they had the USC game in complete control in the first half. And then they let USC creep back and creep back into it to where USC would have covered this nine and a half number. If like, that was the number, the number for that game. So like, Mm -hmm. With the talent that Washington has, I think that would still leave the back door at least slightly open if Oregon is dominating the game. But I'm not like 100 percent certain that I think your assessment is probably more accurate given the situation for this game.
1: 100 percent. Again, it's not like my I'm not like all in Oregon beat down. I'm just kind of concerned that these two teams might be kind of passing each other and right. Washington might be out of gas again. I think we're gonna know very early. Like if Penix and Odunze and and McMillan, he's hitting McMillan, Polk, Odunze, like I just said, then we got a game here. And maybe that's where Oregon, who's been lightly tested in competitive games, maybe they start to feel the pressure. Where Washington is like kind of cool and comfortable in close games. They know how to they know how to pull these out. They know how to win these games. Right. But I just wonder if like. Going back to the last game, Oregon 0 for 3 on 4th down, Washington 2 for 3. If that flips and all of a sudden Washington's 0 for 3 on 4th down, the game could get away from them very, very fast, in my opinion.
2: I I absolutely agree. The one thing that really pushed me over the edge, like I was leaning towards Washington just because I think the number's too big to begin with. But, and it's a very small sample size. But Kalen DeBoer is 2-0 and o versus Dan Lanning. And, like, I understand that they're both aggressive coaches. They both make really smart analytical decisions. Yeah. But I think Kalen DeBoer, and it's we'll compare him to Will Stein since Will Stein's the OC, not Dan Lanning. But, like, I think Kalen DeBoer is such a – like, you go back to the play in the Apple Cup last week, that fourth and one call, that's a gutsy, ballsy call. And yeah. he has the faith in his playmakers. He knows he has studs in there, and he has the creativity to catch the defense off guard with that. And so, like – Yes, you can look at the fourth down advantage from the first game and say if it flips, but I don't know if it, like, I think there's a coaching advantage inherent, like, sort of to that and like converting fourth downs, like what you're calling in those situations that I think favors DeBoer in that situation.
1: You think Washington wins?
2: No, I do okay. not. I think they cover the nine and a half, but I do not. I think Oregon still wins. I think it's probably a four to seven point game more than a 10 point game. All right, Rude. that's fine.
1: Let's move on. First game on the docket on Saturday in Jerry World, Big 12 Championship, Texas, Oklahoma State. Texas, we went through all their college football playoff scenarios and how they might uh, be a little pissed off on Saturday, on Sunday (laughs) afternoon. But they have a chance to win a Big 12 Championship for the first time in more than a decade. They are massive favorites against oklahoma state they've been taking money all week since opening as 14 point favorites now you can still find 14 and a half out there but this thing is trickling up and up and up so cody are you on the side of the market knows here that texas is going to steamroll oklahoma state or are you on the side that oklahoma state team that's been on a, a heater for pretty much all of big 12 play can they send texas out of the big 12 with a championship game loss
2: I mean, unless you believe in, believe in conspiracy th- uh, theories, uh, I think Texas rolls in this one, man. I got, I took Texas minus 14 and a half. Go out there and get it while you still can. Uh, you mentioned, like we talked about it, Texas has the potential to get screwed. You know what they need to do like to try and strengthen their case? Style points. They need style points in this game. And we saw them put up style points last week. You talked about Texas Tech and Texas last week about how Texas has had trouble covering these big numbers. They, they certainly didn't have any trouble last week against Texas Tech. Hung hung 57 on Texas Tech and held them to 7. All right, man, relax. I took Texas Tech. Relax. Relax. (laughs) But I am not doing this to dog you. I am doing this to praise (laughs) Texas and them taking care of business in the way that we know that this Texas team is capable of. Like, we've seen how good this Texas team can be. Like, we talked about the road win at Tuscaloosa. This Texas team is one of the best teams in the country, and they finally played like it against inferior competition. And make no mistake, despite what Oklahoma State has done to get to this point, they are an inferior opponent. Oklahoma State, the bulk of their offense goes through Ollie Gordon in the rushing attack. Yes, they'll throw it around a little bit with Allen Bowman, particularly when they're behind. But that also sets them up for turnovers. But in terms of rushing, which is what they want to do, they actually rank just 88th in run blocking grade from PFF. And then you look at Texas on the flip side of that. It's one of the best defensive lines in the country. I think that they completely shut down this run game and really limit Ollie Gordon and put the game in Alan Bowman's hands. Uh, That's not a. if you're an Oklahoma State fan, that's not really the position you want to be in. And I don't think it works out particularly well for them. Then on the flip side of that, Oklahoma State is 79th in EPA per dropback defensively. And they're 19th uh, against the run in EPA per play or EPA per rush, I should say. And I think Texas, although they want to run the ball, and I think they will still have some effectiveness with CJ Baxter. Uh, running the ball, I think that they have so many weapons on the outside that they're just going to pick apart this Oklahoma State second secondary in a way that we've seen passing offenses much less talented than uh, Texas's do recently. Like we watched Houston, BYU, all these teams like actually re- be able to throw the ball on them, which you didn't really see coming. And so I think Texas throws the ball pretty much at will. I think they put up something close to fifty on them again, like for the second straight week. And I think they just blow the doors off Oklahoma State.
1: I don't disagree. I took a different route, though. I went with the yeah. over in the game. I like it. If there's one thing that you can do to Texas is you can beat them with big plays. They're out to the top 100 in explosive rush and pass defense. Oklahoma State has been a big play funnel all year. Alan Bowman has thrown for 300 more yards in the last three games. it has been a few interceptions in there, but uh, <laughs> he has been afraid to chuck the ball around the field. Ollie Gordon, obviously the running back, Doke Award finalist. He's been fantastic. Oklahoma State plays at top 30 pace in terms of plays per minute. So I think they're going to play fast and try and take the top off this Texas defense. So I do think this game can get pretty pointy. That being said, on the other side, you got Oklahoma State, who's outside the top 100 in yards per play and explosive pass rate. So I think Quinn, you is going to be chucking this all over the field. We know Texas has noted red zone issues. Scoring on the like goal to go. We saw that in Red River and everything. So I think Texas might even avoid those. Yeah. Just try and just try and go deep, try and, you know, blow this game open. But I do think Oklahoma State, they've shown big playability as well. I think obviously Big 12 championship, nothing to lose. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they get Texas on a few gadget plays, maybe like a double pass, you know, double reverse, flip the field that way. A lot of pace. You mentioned Texas needing style points. Like, I'm a little wary of stepping in front of Texas here with that in mind where Texas might want to try and run this up like they did last week. Mm -hmm. So I I think over, though, is my play because I do think Oklahoma State could score a a little bit. I know Texas has the best defensive line in the Big 12 by a pretty good margin. Oklahoma State's offensive line, though, has done well pretty much all year. They're top 10 in terms of limiting sacks. So if that can give Bowman some time, I, I think to get over 55, I need what? 17 20 of Oklahoma state something like that
2: if that like i said i think yeah. texas gets to 50 in this game so like you may oh, yeah, just in seven
1: i'll be feeling pretty uh, i'll be feeling all right about uh, the over as well so right I, but like even if i even if we're like a little conservative i do mm-hmm. think this matchup sets up really well for texas and they could get into like the high 30s as like a floor so let's call it like 38 mhm i get like 20 from Oklahoma yeah. State, something like that. Like, I think that this game is going to be, like, uh, like really up-tempo. Because I think Texas, like you said, is going to be hunting for points. But Oklahoma State's nature is to play fast. Like, I don't think they're just going to, like, turtle. It's a big,
2: Twelve championship game. Oh, no. Mike my, my Gundy is not turtling for anybody. Come on. Yeah. You know better than that. And like, But I think you're right. I think this game just has overwritten all over it. A, from, like, all the matchups. But then you think about it, like, I don't know. Sometimes you think about things narratively. And this is the first game, like, first major championship game on Saturday. And it just feels right that we'd have a tone-setting crazy game right. with a ton of points to begin Saturday. And so I think and, – and 55 is a relatively low total, considering like what average. we know both of these offenses are capable of.
1: Yeah, I, I love it. Let's go over – and Texas. I, I think uh, we're somewhat correlated on yeah. that one. A lot of stakes in our next game. SEC championship game, Georgia-Alabama, obviously – no love loss between these two teams. I call them arch rivals at this point. Respect on yeah. both sides, but they're arch rivals. These teams are the two uh premier programs in college football at the moment. Georgia going for a three peat, need to get past Bama. Bama trying, I mean, honestly, like being left for dead after week three, after they benched Jalen Milrow and struggle to score against South Florida. Now here they are, a win away from arguably being in the college football playoff. Georgia, five and a half point favorite, total of fifty four
2: and a half, Cody. How do you see it? Give me the dogs, man. I'm riding with Georgia. I still think they're the best team in the country. And frankly, I think they're just a slight tier above this Alabama team, which I think this line kind of, I think it's right. I think they're about a, I would have it about a touchdown. So I, I like the five and a half. It's not that I don't think that Alabama is a quality team. I think they are like very comfortably on that tier too. but I just think Georgia is on that other level. You look at Alabama and a lot of the metrics are really favorable to them. When you go to PFF, they have the number one coverage grade in college football this season. However, when you start to dig into that a little bit more and go game by game, here are their five lowest coverage grades that they've registered this season. That was against Texas, weirdly against Arkansas, which I'm still trying to comprehend a little bit. That was a weird game. Yeah, it was. Uh, Against Texas A&M, against Auburn, and against LSU. Outside of Auburn and Arkansas, what do Texas A&M, LSU, and Texas all have in common? It's elite talent at the skill positions. And that's what Georgia's going to be able to throw at them. This Alabama secondary is obviously immensely talented, but I think that they are a bit overrated by the SEC not having the same skill position and offensive talent that we've seen in the past. And so I think that Georgia being able to throw Lad McConkie, Brock Bowers, Dominic Lovett, Rara Rah, Rah Thomas, Jack uh, Jackson, like all these guys at them, I think they may have a little bit of trouble. And then we, you and I are both like on the Carson Beck bandwagon as much as a you know, person can be like we think this guy is the nuts. And so yeah. I think that he is able to basically have his way offensively. And then on top of that, you have this Georgia offensive line, which is also one of the best in the country, specifically since they got a Marius Mims back. And we've seen the run game start to take shape. Alabama's run defense is nails no no doubt about that no question about that I'm not questioning that but I think Georgia is going to be able to pick up some yardage I don't think there's going to be any explosive plays in the ground game but I don't think Alabama is going to necessarily be able to sell out to stop Beck in this passing game which I think is going to set up advantageously for the passing game then on the flip side of that as good as Jalen Milrow has progressed throughout the season I still worry on the down-to-down drive-to-drive basis, how consistently this offense is, is, especially because the one area where you can attack Georgia the best is on the ground game, in the ground game, and we have not seen Alabama consistently against a quality defense, specifically a defense with the level of athlete that Georgia has, be able to run the ball consistently in those situations. So I think it's going to be a lot on Milrow against one of the best secondaries he's faced the entire season, and so I just think Georgia is the rightful favorite, and I think they take care of business.
1: Yeah, I, no gripes for me. I, I think George is going to win this one, too. I I want to make the case for chaos and everything and Alabama winning. I don't personally see it. Like I don't think it would be the craziest upset ever. I just no. I don't think it's likely. Yeah. Uh, big shout-out, by the way, to Chicken Bone News in the chat. Just subscribed with three football emojis. Sweet. Welcome. Love welcome to see you. Welcome, CBN, uh, to Stack in the Box College Football Edition. I, I agree, though. I, I do – struggle to see alabama keeping up with georgia who is so goddamn efficient they're just so efficient they're not they mix in the ability to stay ahead of the sticks and stay on schedule with their ability to move the ball down the field mm-hmm. lad McConkey and brock bowers should be full go in this one georgia's been sitting guys left and right really they know they play basically like a you know three important games a year and this is one of them yep this is full systems go and I don't need to, you know, wax poetic any longer about Carson Beck and what this Georgia offense has been doing but yeah, they've been lights out. They've been get, like for what Alabama lacks in like their consistency, Georgia makes up for it. They are that they are that good. They're consistently on schedule. They're number 3 in, six, in success rate this season. They're also number 3 in EPA per play. Bama, you know, it's funny the the turn I've made this entire season cuz I originally was concerned that Jalen Milrow couldn't hit those big plays and those deep shots. He has all year. He's been fantastic at it. So I do think that Alabama is going to be able to put up some points here. I think they're going to be able to hit a few. I respect mm-hmm. Georgia secondary, but you, you you dig in a little bit deeper. This Georgia defense is obviously unreal. I'm not saying they're overrated or bad, but compared to what we've become accustomed to the past two national championship teams, this team is slightly worse Oh yeah, I like over in this game. Mm. I do think George is going to get into the thirties. I think Alabama though is going to be able to put up some points on offense. You also have with these with this many home run threats in a game of this magnitude, and I honestly think Tommy Reese has been calling a really strong offense. I just the, there's bound to be points on this type of fast track at uh, where is it? It's uh, at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Yeah, yeah. So. <clears throat> I think Alabama's going to be able to scheme up a few deep shots. I know Jace McClellan's banged up, but they have running backs there. Uh, Milroe, obviously, as a rusher, I think could really make some plays. And Jermaine Burden against his former team has really come on as a deep play threat. Isaiah Bonds has come on. I just think you, you look at these two teams, I think we're bound to get some points here between these two. I do think Georgia's going to score often. I think Alabama ultimately loses this game with their inability to stay on schedule like Georgia can. Mm-hmm. But I do think... They're still going to score. I don't think like we're, we're oh, setting absolutely. up like a stranglehold. I no. just think that Alabama. I think Alabama has padded their resume against some really crappy defenses. Mm-hmm. And while I don't think Georgia's defense is the the elite unstoppable unit that we've come accu- that we've become accustomed to, I do think you could score on them. We have seen a lot of teams mm-hmm. with a lot less explosive weapons get points on the board against yeah. Georgia.
2: No, I absolutely agree. And like your own schedule point is basically why I'm on the Georgia side of this, because I think that Georgia is going to almost score at will just because, and that's not even a slight to Alabama. That is all the credit in the world to Georgia, Mike Bobo, Carson Beck, and this offense. But Alabama is going to put up points in this game. They are absolutely going to. I just don't think it's going to be as consistently as Georgia. And one of the things that, that makes me think that even more so that Alabama might get taken off schedule a couple times is we've seen Alabama in this offense is particularly against some of these poor defense defenses that they played down the back stretch of this regular season that they've attacked the little the middle of the field far better than they did early in the season like that once we realized that Jalen Melrose was an efficient deep passer the next step was, okay, well, can he start, you know, sustaining drives over the middle of the field? And he started doing that against these defenses. But when you get Georgia, like you said, on a fast track, those five-star athletes that they have at linebacker, those five-star athletes that they have at safety, they're going to blow those plays up pretty quickly and like not make those drive sustaining plays that they have been for Alabama in recent weeks. So I think that's where we start to see those drives getting killed, but I'm with you. I think Alabama is going to hit some deep shots. Like, I don't think one on one that there's anyone on this Georgia secondary who's going to cover Jermaine Burton down the field for the entire game. Like they're going to hit plays to those guys. So I think the over is also the right play. Like, but I just think that in terms of consistency, what I'm expecting on offense, Georgia has a severe advantage there.
1: Yeah, quietly Georgia rush defense isn't what it's you know mm-hmm. isn't as elite. I do question if if Alabama's offensive line can hold up. Yeah, but Georgia you know, outside the top 50 in terms of pass rush grade, according to pro football focus, where we've seen Alabama's offensive line really not give Milrow a lot of time uh, over the course of the season. So I wonder if maybe this matchup might not be as uh, daunting for Alabama's offensive line as it has been in the past. When we look at some of these prior Georgia defensive lines, I want to keep us moving though. Or one last point.
2: Oh, I was just going to say, there's no Jalen Carter coming up and busting up the offensive line this year. Exactly. So I I think Alabama could scheme a few,
1: but like we said, I think there's going to be a few too many empty drives for the Crimson Tide that end up costing them the game. And I think Georgia ends up pulling away from this one. uh Yeah. So I agree. I, I lean towards the Georgia side as well. Let's go Big Ten championship. Michigan Iowa spread of twenty t- spread of where are we at here? Twenty two. Twenty two now. Of, yeah. Spread of twenty two. Total of thirty five. Not a lot of margin for Iowa expected here. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I saw uh, – this is going to be like everyone's favorite uh, snapshot, but Iowa's team total in the first half is half a point. I'll, I'll tell you right now, I, I'll I'll go first because I really don't have much to say to lead us off. I think Michigan's going to absolutely destroy Iowa. I think the only way Iowa is scoring is off of a turnover, which they could, of course, force, but I I think – You look back at when is the last time Iowa played a relatively good offense. It was Penn State on the road back in early October, I believe, or late September. Lost 31-0. was not a competitive game. Yep. Now Iowa without their star cornerback Cooper DeGene on a backup quarterback, but I don't even think that makes much of a difference. No. Michigan gets Jim Harbaugh back. They get past Ohio State. I see very little reason why this team doesn't want to absolutely boat race iowa they played two years ago in the big 10 championship game they won 42 to 3 they won last year against an outmatch opponent purdue i believe it was like 43 22 keep in mind both games last two minutes michigan had the ball and they went down the field and scored Mm -hmm. so if this this cover is in doubt they're they're running this one up i think michigan absolutely i think michigan has a bone to pick with the big 10 I think they want to make this embarrassing, and I think they win, and I honestly think they go over the total themselves. I think Michigan wins this one in the neighborhood of like two years ago forty two to three i i I love Michigan here
2: i I don't even have to talk we're on the same side. I'm on michigan minus twenty two and it's all the same points that you brought up like we the thing that I also keep coming back to, you look at that 42 to 3 game in 2021 between these two in a very similar situation where Iowa was 10 and 2 coming into that game, Michigan was 11 and 1. And the Big Ten West and Iowa specifically were a better team than this year's team. And I also think Michigan is now better too. So, like, you have a better Michigan team and a worse Iowa team. This is not going to be close. You can turn this one off at halftime, and I think you're going to be so safe. I do not see. The big one of the biggest factors in this game, I think, is Iowa's offensive line is not nearly on the level that we've seen it in years past. Like when this Iowa offense was at least like mildly functional, if not unexciting, when it was mildly functional, they had a lot of offensive line talent. It's not bad now, but it is very average. And you're going up against maybe the best defensive front in the country in michigan they are going to blow up everything deacon hill and this iowa offense want to do and i just like you said that they could score on a turnover i don't see a turnover happening because i don't think michigan has to do anything but run the ball the entire game and they can still put up 30 something i also think something to keep in mind michigan
1: is top 10 in terms of yards per pass attempt so when they are getting vertical or they are looking to the air it's downfield and they can flip the field pretty quickly on this Iowa defense. Let's say Michigan's drive stalls at it like their own 40. They're inside a dome. They have an unbelievable punter. They are top 10 in terms of special teams grade. They're going to pin Iowa back. What's going to happen after that is likely a three and out giving Michigan a short field, a safety or a turnover. Yep. I just, it's a matter of time before the dam breaks and Michigan starts running it up. And I don't think this is going to be like Penn state or Ohio state where they're trying to go super conservative and they're trying to just like end the game and get to next week, it's the big 10 championship game. I think they want to put up a number here. And I, I just, I, I don't really see much Avenue for Iowa. Getting, again, maybe they force a few turnovers and that's how they get short field and score. But I think Michigan like has all the reason to just run this up here, getting their coach back. And like, they're all motivated. I think they could do this. And I think that there's a reason too. Iowa dead last in terms of success rate. They, can't, mm-hmm. they, they don't do anything well on offense. And no. something I also want to bring up, since they lost to Gene, they played Illinois and they played Nebraska. I'm not going to say that those are two world beaters, and I'm not going to say that they let up a bunch of points and the defense fell off a cliff. Uh, 13 to Illinois and 10 to Nebraska. That being said, just something to keep in mind, in that game, on an EPA per dropback standpoint, Illinois and Nebraska were like, Below average, which is better than what they usually are. They were right. below average when compared to 2022 games, according to GameOnPaper.com. So that means that there is an effect to losing their star cornerback. Iowa, their defense is a little bit more vulnerable, obviously. But Iowa, Illinois, Nebraska just weren't good enough to take advantage of that. You're playing Michigan. You're mm-hmm. playing one of the two best teams in the country, three best teams in the country, if you want to say that. Like. I think McCarthy's going to have a day out there. And I think Michigan's going to be, like, thrilled. He mentioned McCarthy. He was banged up after the Penn State game. He felt fully good for the Ohio State game. And he looked good, in my opinion. I think they want to let him loose, let mm-hmm. him cook a little bit. Don't – I mean, uh, Jim Harbaugh is always one talking talk about the NFL draft. I mean, I read a mock draft today about um, – from The Athletic. McCarthy was, like, pegged 22nd or something or another. Uh And in like the little blurb, it was like evaluators would like to see him like put the offense on his back. Like he, Mm -hmm. they they like his talent, they like his traits, but they want to see him like really kind of cook a little bit. Which I've been, I thought they would have done you know more recently. But listen, it worked. Not gonna like right. (laughs) I'm not even saying McCarthy played bad or anything, but like they they didn't really you know put the ball in his hands.
2: Yeah, they didn't need him
1: exactly put so, in a game like this where you could really kind of let them showcase a little bit, I think maybe they look to do that. Just keep something in mind. We know Jim Absol- Harbaugh is constantly talking about the draft.
2: Absolutely. And then, you know, you I, you briefly mentioned this, but you know that Jim Harbaugh specifically wants to make Tony Petiti hand him the Big Ten Championship trophy after like a 50-point beatdown, 40, 50-point oh, yeah. beatdown. Gonna be,
1: that's going to be like epic. I can't wait. Oh, yeah.
2: It might be my new profile picture if we're being <laughs> real honest about it. <laughs>
1: All right, let's move on. ACC championship game, Florida State-Louisville. Florida State escapes uh, the Florida game with a win. Shaky start from Tate Rodemaker, but a win's a win. Louisville, they're very, 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 very faint. College football playoff hopes went out the window with a loss to rival Kentucky. So that's a very interesting dynamic here in the ACC championship game. Cody,
2: how do you see it? I'm taking the under forty-seven and – obviously part of that is the Tate Rodemaker, Jordan Travis injury factor. We saw uh, towards the end of that Florida game that Florida state really found its groove offensively and their groove offensively was not letting Tate Rodemaker do a whole lot and just handing the ball off to Trey Benson behind a pretty good offensive line, not a bad strategy, but that's also if that's the strategy that they deploy against a, a Louisville defense that is far better than Florida and is pretty good in on the general whole. Um, I think that they should have success doing that, but I also think that they're going to have less success than they did like in the second half against Florida, and I think that's going to also, obviously, bleed clock and limit possessions. On the flip side of that, you look at this Louisville offense, and Jeff Brom, one of the best offensive minds that we have as a head coach in college football, particularly at the Power 5 level, I think. like This Louisville team being in this position, partly due to their schedule, partly due to Jeff Brom just being a damn good coach, Mm. and he's going to have stuff dialed up, I'm just not sure that Jack Plummer is a the guy to do it, or b the guy to do it in against this Florida State front. Florida State has one of the best pass rushers in the in the in college football. I believe they have the sixth best pass rushing grade according to PFF. Right. And Louisville's offensive line, I think, is 34th in pass blocking grade, if I'm not mistaken. I had it in my notes and I accidentally deleted it. So I'm doing that off of memory. I know your top six one was right. I'm not,
1: I can't, I'll, I'll fact check you on 34th, but keep going
2: anyway. So I just think that you look at Jack Plummer, who I, he is just a guy. He is Chip Patterson of CBS sports calls him Jag Plummer. And that's who he is. He is Jag Plummer. And he just does not elevate this offense when his pressure, when his grading on PFF under pressure is, I believe 22 points worse when, when under pressure than when he's kept clean. I think he's going to be under pressure constantly in this game. Yes. Louis, that may mean Louisville runs the ball. That's still going to bleed more clock Four to seven and a half is a low total. I think all the injuries and all of what I'm saying is baked into it. I just don't think we see a whole lot of explosive plays, a whole lot of scoring based on the situations that we have developing. Cause I don't see Louisville having the time with Jack Plummer to hit an explosive play in the passing game, even with how suspect we've seen this Florida state defense be at times specifically in the secondary. So I just think it's a low scoring game, kind of a rock fight. And I think that the fact the line is two and a half, I think that kind of indicates that we're going to see a very rock fighty type of game. Also, thank you Reed for letting me know 30th in pass blocking grade. Very close. I was four off, but anyway, yes, under 47 and a half Point, stand, point stands. Uh, on your point about the pass blocking
1: grid. I, I agree. A lot of great points there on the under. I think we're now inside of a field goal though. I, I kind of like Florida state. I, I think it's close enough where this is not that like they can't win by one or two, but it's kind of close to like, is Florida state going to win or lose? Yeah. I kind of think Florida State's just going to win. I, mm-hmm. I think that I think road is going to benefit a lot from playing last week on the road against Florida. I'm not going to make a case that he was actually good and his numbers weren't, didn't show that he was actually, like, yeah, you know, he wasn't good. No. But I do think some, there's something to be said for getting out there in a hostile environment against your rival, getting your absolute head taken off at one point, but uh, I think there's something to be said for playing in an environment like that and getting some live reps and getting more familiar with the likes of Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson and working with Trey Benson a game-breaking back I think there's something to be said for that. I think Mm -hmm. that it it also like he completed less than 50% of his passing. He had 134 yards. He also took a safety. It can't be much worse. So if like, you know, if like the floor has been set pretty low, I do think there's like some room for him to actually improve and play like considerably better in this situation. I think you mentioned some great things about Florida State's pass rush, being able to get to Jack Plummer, Jack Plummer under pressure. I remember when we went to the, when I took Pitt as our upset pick when Louisville lost one of their two games, I said, if you get pressure on Jack Plummer, you could like, this offense kind of falls on itself and you know, look at what happened. They lost to Pitt arguably one of the best pass rushes in the ACC. Forget the record. Florida state six and pass rush grade defense for Louisville outside the top 100 in terms of explosive pass and run defense. So I do think while I'm not expecting shootout or fireworks from the Florida state offense, I trust Mike Norvell to scheme a few deep shots here for Rodemaker or even, you know, Trey Benson on a, yeah. uh, a cutback or something. I, I think there are opportunities to flip the field and play that type of game, especially if it's going to be a nip-and-tuck game like you mentioned. So I like Florida State in this game. I think Louisville is going to try and establish the run in this one. Just not sure it's going to work against this FSU defensive line, top 10 in terms of defensive line yards. I just – I don't know. I, I weirdly – in my gut, just kind of like being so locked in on college football. I just, I, I had this feeling after Florida state lost Travis. I was like, yeah, they play Florida and Louisville. I still think they're going to win and still get into the playoff and just be food for whoever is the one seed. So uh, I, you know, one for two so far. So I, I think Florida state gets it done again. I uh, I'm interested at under three and taking the nulls. How, how do you, who do you think it's going to be an under game? Who do you think I pick the spread? Like if you, it's not like you're on record or anything, but like,
2: what do you think? I, I was literally going to say, for me, if I'm taking a side, it's Florida State or no play. Like, I don't understand how you could trust this Louisville team, given the two losses that we've seen them take. Like, I understand that they have some quality wins along the way, but you lost a pit. Like, that, I mean, what more do I need to say? You lost a pit, and now you have this Florida State team who I think is, uh, like, even without Jordan Travis, is a particularly, like, tough matchup for Jack Plummer specifically, but also Louisville as a whole. So I think Florida State is the only side you should be playing if you're playing a side in this game.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think um, also I would have rather Louisville win last week against Kentucky, like get them like still coming in with one loss rather than like off of a loss. But beggars can't be choosers. I I still like Florida State uh, <laughs> to cover. All right. Last sicko's pick of the regular season. We're going to the same game. Cody, we are. What, what do you think? Conference USA championship game.
2: First yeah, like
1: championship game of the weekend, Friday night.
2: Dude, absolutely cannot wait for this one. Honestly, one of the games I'm most excited for Dang this it. entire weekend. Uh, but I name. like the New, New Mexico State Liberty over 55 and a half. When you, you look at these two teams. We're talking about two defenses that rank outside of the top 90 in both EPA per rush and EPA per dropback. And in the case of New Mexico State, it's outside of the top 110. These are not high-quality defenses. But they are high-quality offenses. Caden Salter and Diego Pavia, two of my favorite quarterbacks in college football to watch this season. Absolute electric factories. And I think they just move the ball at will. I think this is just a fast-paced Trent Dilfer, spiritually you like uab style shootout like i do not think either of these defenses have an answer for the other i think we see it go back and forth and it might just be who has the ball last as to who wins this game but 55 and a half i think is disrespectful frankly to caden salter and diego pavia and the power of these offenses and on top of that two very unique and hard to defend offensive schemes you look at jerry kill and jamie chadwell That's one of their landmarks is these are not like they run a very like singular, unique offense. It's really hard to prepare for specifically with just one week to prepare. Like this isn't a bowl game where you have a couple weeks to prepare one week since the end of the regular season. And so I don't think either of these defenses that we've seen underperform all season are going to be ready for it. I would honestly play this up into like the 62, 63 range. Like that's when I would still be taking the over. I think 55 and a half is way too low of a total.
1: Yeah, I, I went for the side on this one. I like New Mexico state catching the points. I think you go back when these two teams played in week two, Liberty one by 16 closes a nine and a half point favorite yards per play, even 6.8 to 6.8. So it's more a matter of Liberty was able to convert in scoring opportunities since then. Obviously Liberty has ran the table and they are undefeated. I'm not saying Liberty isn't any good, but New Mexico state is covered in 10 straight and they have turned into an absolute wagon. I think New Mexico State deserves more of an upgrade in the spot. The only top 30 offense Liberty has seen this season is New Mexico State. And New Mexico State averaged nearly seven yards per play in that game. I think New Mexico State, who plays at a bottom five pace this season in terms of plays per minute, can slow this game down, establish the run. Pavia is going to make some plays both with his legs and his arm. I New Mexico State could definitely hang around in this one. I just think too many possessions against a Liberty team that is very good, but just ha- doesn't have the same strength of schedule. They really haven't played anybody. I'm not saying New Mexico State has really played a murderer's role, but two weeks ago they just beat Auburn, and then they by three scores by three scores on the road. Beat Jack last week they beat Jacksonville State in a meaningless game. Jacksonville State's turned into like the what third best team in the conference USA. Yeah, New Mexico State beat them. So I think New Mexico state is trending in the right direction. I think this game needs to be adjusted a little bit more from their week two meeting. Uh, that game on in the box score was a pretty even game. So I like the Aggies uh, one last cover here for uh, Diego Manziel.
2: <laughs> Diego Manziel. I love that. Uh, but I think that's absolutely the right call on your part in terms of the side, like in the game I described where we're hitting the over, I said, whoever has the ball last uh, could win this game. Well, if, whoever has the ball last that's like a seven point to three point margin that we're talking about not 10 this game yeah. should not be a double digit spread like it just absolutely shouldn't be based on what we've seen from both of these teams over the past two months or so 100 percent. and there's our show we went through all those picks right we got uh what do we on the board? point mm-hmm. six two four six. six cody why don't you recap them before we get out of here Absolutely. So starting with the PAC 12 championship game, I like Washington plus nine and a half big 12 championship game. Give me Texas minus 14 and a half might even sprinkle a little outline there. I think Texas blows out Oklahoma state Uh, SEC championship game. Give me Georgia minus five and a half over Alabama big 10 championship game, Michigan rolls, take them at the minus 22 or whatever number you can get them at as long as it's not ridiculous Uh, ACC championship game. I like the under 47 and a half with Louisville and Florida state. And then Sickos pick going to a G5 game. Give me New Mexico State Liberty over 55.5.
1: Love it. And then for yours truly, I took Oregon minus 9.5 in the Pac 12 title game, the over 55 in the Big 12 championship game. SEC title game, I took the over 54.5. Laid it with Michigan minus 23.5 against Iowa. Took FSU minus 2.5 in the ACC title game. And then our Sickos pick sticking in the same game, Conference USA title game. Took New Mexico State catching 10 against Liberty. Cody, great show as always, great season. A Lot of fun doing this with you weekly. If you enjoyed this show, make sure you're liking, subscribing, gonna have plenty of bowl coverage for you in the coming weeks. If you want some free bonus bets, deposit match, make sure you're signing up for Sleeper with the promo code in the top left corner if you're watching on YouTube or the promo code FANSIDED2, that's the number two. And until next time, we'll see you then. Enjoy the games this weekend. Cody, hopefully I can hold you off by one more game, and we'll talk to you soon.